my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off, especially don't let me rip you off. Later, we have Clark Stinks, where you get to share how you feel I did not serve you well. Tune in for that. So who doesn't serve people well? Well, there are certain industries that have a bad reputation that when something goes wrong, that they treat you like dirt. And one of those industries that people have historically loved to hate, now they kind of love to dislike because the airline industry has actually improved. I know. I'm not going to complain about an industry. They've actually gotten better, even though there are times they are pretty rotten terrible. So the most respected survey each year of the airline industry, and there are many lists of best and worst, for American Airlines, U.S. Airlines, is the AQR is what it's called. And it is done by two universities that come out with the list of what they think based on a number of things that you can mathematically measure, who's the best out there, who's the worst out there. So what do you think? Should I start with best or worst? Best. You know why I should start with best? Because everybody always looks for worst. So the best under their criteria is Delta. Second place, JetBlue. Third place, Southwest. They're win place and show. Alaska, that used to be number one year after year after year, has fallen to fourth. And the reason is because of the growing pains of the merger or acquisition by Alaska of Virgin America. And when two airlines merge, there's always birthing pains following that. So fifth place, Hawaiian. Then United. United. I mean that with every flight, you can get a punch in the nose. United is now in sixth, followed by Spirit, who is no longer... The worst airline in America that year after year ranked worst. uh, um, Spirit has made huge improvements in their on-time arrivals and has the best baggage handling of any airline now. I fly everybody, and I can tell you that the flights I've taken on Spirit, I've seen a difference, and they have been better, and not every flight. American which is definitely going through a crisis and the quality of the service they offer, is now in next to last place. And the American employees are very bitter and angry at management. Uh, There was a, a meeting recently that their CEO had with employees, and he said, well, we're just trying to be as good as the other full fares. Not My words, not his, United and Delta. And employees were like, wait a minute, we used to always strive to be the best at American, and now you're just trying to be better than we've been and not trying to achieve anything. And so American has a real morale problem and has a service problem. And all you need to know is the just miserable attitude of the CEO towards customers, towards passengers involving what they've done with their newest 737s where they have reduced the space to a point where a sardine can would be more roomy 
And he really takes the attitude, let him eat cake. Now, in last place is Frontier. Frontier takes the award as in the survey as the worst airline in America. So they got some work to do. But they displace, look at that, they displace spirit for that. So with an airline, as I said, they do a better job than they used to do, except when something goes wrong and then it's a problem. And so how do you effectively reach somebody in an airline when something has gone wrong? So we have put together at Clark.com a new guide for you that walks you through how to handle customer no service at each airline and how to turn that customer no service into maybe getting customer service. What seem to be the best ways to do so? Where does social media play in the picture? When should you make a phone call? When should you go face-to-face with a human? I didn't mean facing off against a human. I mean talking with a human in an airport. So we're moving into the summer travel season closer and closer. A lot of people who don't fly frequently and something goes wrong, like with a summer thunderstorm, you don't know exactly how to navigate your way. That's why we have this guide for you. Haley joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Haley, you're calling me about travel, but you're not traveling by air. What's going on with you? Yes. So I am moving cross-country in August, and I'm trying to find the most cost-effective way to do so. Um, I currently have a one-bedroom apartment, and um, only really in regards to large furniture, I'm moving a bedroom suit and a smaller china cabinet. Um, There are a lot of options out there, but I am overwhelmed with quotes and insanely high prices. So I'm wondering what you and your team recommend. Right. So... I first have a suggestion to you. If you're moving all the way across the country, used furniture goes for like no money. Uh And you could consider, unless there's sentimental attachment to furniture you have, letting go of that furniture, moving across the country light, and then buying used furniture on Craigslist or through a Facebook neighborhood group or something like that. Because furniture goes for pennies on the dollar used. Just like you're moving, there are other people doing that all the time. And that's just a thought for you to consider instead of looking at the cost involved in moving that stuff cross-country that you just start over. If you don't like that idea and you want to know how to move a less-than-household quantity of furniture, I love one particular source called U-Ship. Have you been on okay. U-Ship? I have not. All right, it's the letter U, ship.com, and U-Ship is all one word. Okay. And what you do is it's like a reverse auction. You list what it is you need moved from where to where and the approximate weights if you have them, and then people start bidding on moving those goods for you. And so they may have any of a number of circumstances why they have extra room on a truck or whatever, and they want your shipment to generate some supplemental revenue on top of what they're already moving around the U.S. And you get to see reviews where it's the wisdom of the crowd, and you get to see how people have felt about this particular mover over the years. And it is a 
it's not a foolproof way, but it's an effective way to get a pricing that will be typically more reasonable for moving a room or two of furniture. Okay. Um, and I didn't explain, I, I should explain one more thing, how the reverse yeah. auction works. So some people will start posting bids for your business, and instead of like on eBay where the prices go up in an auction, on a reverse bid, the prices go down, and the longer a period you can leave bids open, the more prices will move down for moving your household goods. Okay. If I was to go with like a truck moving service, would you recommend getting their liability coverage that they offer or would you just... Oh, that's a great question. So you're thinking of maybe loading the stuff in a truck that you rent and you drive it all the way across the country? Possibly, yes. I have to drive my car, and so my dad has offered to drive a truck for me if that's how I choose to go about it. Well, how nice of him. Yeah. (laughs) But you got to figure in the cost of the truck plus the cost of Mm -hmm. a one-way ticket back home for him. Yes. That could get fairly pricey. So let me tell you something about how the the one-way truck rental market works now. They they use uh, extremely sophisticated yield management now, which means that people will move from one part of the country to another where very few people are moving and more trucks are leaving that part than others. So if you're taking stuff to that place, you get a much cheaper deal than somebody leaving from that place. As an example, when you rent a one-way truck that you're moving to Texas, you pay a much higher Mm -hmm. price than you do if you're leaving Texas because there's net more people moving to Texas than leaving it. Plus, the time of the month makes a big difference. So if you want to rent a one-way truck around the end of the month, you know, a few days before the end of the month, a few days into the beginning of the next month, you pay the highest rates of the month. Because so many okay. people may be apartment renters, and so they're yeah. trying to move right around the end of a month out and get to where they're going within a couple of days of the beginning of the month to where they're going. So if you can avoid renting at that time of the month, uh, the lowest rates are the middle of the month, and hopefully if you're moving from a place to a place that they need trucks to go to, then you get a lower price, and that will vary by company. On the insurance, the big thing with the liability uh, collision coverage, depending on the length of the truck you rent, how many foot trucks, your, mm-hmm. your automobile insurer may or may not cover you for that. They have rules where you can rent a truck up to 12 feet or up to 16 feet or whatever, and anything larger than that, you are uncovered. So you okay. have to talk to your own automobile insurer and see what their rules are on how large a truck you can rent before you'd have to buy the coverage from the truck rental company. And good luck with your move. I bet you, though, it'll be cheaper through a U-ship reverse auction than it'll be to rent a truck and drive it across the country. Gary's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Gary, yet another service I really loved has bitten the dust. They are in the Clark Howard graveyard now. Who has bitten the dust this time? Well, Clark, first of all, let me say I appreciate your advice so much. I'm calling you on vacation from Maui. So Wow. Uh, look- 
This is a terrible idea that you'd call right me now. on vacation. You need to <laughs> rethink this. You're, you're right. Where on Maui uh, are you right now? Uh, I'm in Kanapali, looking over the beach right now. Oh, I like to stay a couple miles north of Kanapali at Kapalua. Yep, that's nice too. Absolutely. Yeah, the company is Debitize. I was turned on to Debitize by you a few months ago and really liked it and got an email just last week saying they were, uh, I guess, bought out by Trim. Uh, Basically, it looks like for the customer list because the message makes it pretty clear that the service is discontinued. You know, one time, not just like maybe six months ago, we had two competitors, Debix and Debitize, both offering this brilliant method to turn the use of a credit card into kind of like the equivalent of a debit card so you couldn't go into debt. And I assume that you were using it and it was working for you. Absolutely. And uh, the message suggested financially they couldn't make a goal of it, I guess. It was, I think, $5 a month. And I was actually willing to pay more than that. It was a very good service. Well, most people, you know, originally it had been free and then they went to pricing and they still couldn't get the the critical mass apparently to make it work so i don't have a replacement for you yet i don't have anything else but i'm just heartbroken that we went from two to no people doing this in a blink and it's there's a huge need in the marketplace for people to have the legal protections of a credit card but not spend themselves into debt And so I'm going to think through ideas and see if I can come up with something useful to share with you and others as a way maybe we can not do it as automatically as Debitize or Debix did, but maybe you can uh, control your spending through a month. And as soon as I've noodled that out, I'm going to talk about that on the air. And you right now need to go catch a wave. (laughs) One quick thought I had, just to run it by you, was... uh, if you can change your statement dates uh, among all the cards to the same statement date, then maybe a week or so before, uh, have a credit card Saturday and just pay them all off to keep the balances at zero. Would would that work? Yes, it would. And I like that suggestion because a lot of issuers will let you now select what your closing date will be. Greg is with us, and Greg, you're trying to figure out the Social Security math puzzle, aren't you? That's correct. We are getting ready to retire a little bit early, and we have all of our ducks in a row. And uh, one last piece of the puzzle that I have on my spreadsheet from hell is how to calculate out the Social Security benefit if we do not have any income during the last five or ten years of our working career? All right, that is a great question. And, you know, it works on so many uh, consecutive quarters. But if you are, as part of a puzzle, trying to see if you can really afford to bag work at a Mm -hmm. younger-than-normal age, you got to buy Maximize My Social Security. Have you ever heard me mention that? No. It was developed by um, some college professors, if I recall. It's $40 to buy a software license for it, and you can run all the various scenarios that are exact for your personal situation. 
It is the most clearly focused, individualized calculator that anybody's ever come up with for Social Security and knowing the best way to claim it and to take it. Okay, good, because I had probably half of those calculations in 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 there it's just, it was it was just how much if we have zero income zero or little income that would affect all my other calculations right so that's why this one is the one that is by far the most helpful and that's why it's the only one i know of that you have to pay for but again it's maximizemysocialsecurity.com and you'll have the answers you need and that you're looking for. They may not be the answers you want, <laughs> but you'll have them. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where we're about empowering you with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. That's the promise. What if I don't deliver? Well, I need that feedback from you. I need you to let me know when I don't come through for you, where the advice or information or guidance I give is just lame. I need to know ways that I can do a better job of providing the information you can act on in your life. That's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. It's where you post where I didn't come through for you. And you may feel that what I said is wrong. I need to know that. So go to uh, Clark.com slash Clark Sinks, post how you feel I've missed the mark. And others can see what you've written. They can comment on it. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through the posts on Clark Stinks and shares, well, she doesn't like it when I say that, her favorites <laughs> with you on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Just a small order, Clark. But every time you give that great advice for people to roll their 401k into an IRA, you should le you leave out one important item they need to be aware of. For those who do their own taxes, they will likely be surprised and a bit confused the following tax season when they first realize that the entire amount of the rollover shows up as income, but then is also deducted as part of the rollover. Could be a bit of an initial shock to them, so it would be good if they knew it in advance. Love the show, Larry in Iowa. Larry, thank you, because that gives me another opportunity to mention, overwhelmingly, when people change a job, they just spend their 401k money and wipe out their retirement. The stats I saw recently is it's more than 50% of people wipe out their money if instead when you leave a job, you either leave it behind, move it to a new employer's plan, or move it to your own IRA. Zero tax, zero penalty. Clark, you've told us that as consumers, there is no recourse that we have to punish Equifax for the horrendous security breach that happened. That's not true. I have frozen my Equifax account and refused to ever thought. If a retailer or bank wants to use it for a credit check, I tell them to either use the other two or they don't need my business. If enough of us all do this, it will cut into the bottom line. Thanks for all of the, your, all, all the years of your advice, Eric. Eric, I appreciate your frustration and anger at Equifax, and I just think it's unbelievable that because of a corrupt culture in Washington – 
Equifax has suffered no punishment for the abuse that's been heaped upon Americans with two out of three of, of American adults' personal information being out there forever with so many angles on identity theft that cannot be contained because of it. And Equifax went into a bunker mode where they would not communicate with the media at all. They turned completely inward. They now have a new CEO who says that he wants to do things differently and that he wants to change the culture at Equifax to actually care about consumers. And time will tell if that's what does happen. Hey, Clark, you often advise people to prioritize a 401k over a Roth IRA up to a company match if one is offered. Generally speaking, this is great advice, but it's not the whole story. Many 401k plans have a vesting period of around three years. If you're advising someone where to focus their savings, you should make sure they plan to stay there long enough to become vested. Otherwise, they could be in for a rude awakening when they leave the company. Kevin. Kevin, thank you. So, yes, a lot of people don't stay at any one job long enough if a company has a hold back on vesting you on the 401k. I, I philosophically am so opposed to holdbacks, I even forgot to talk about them, hold back on vesting period. But I don't want to put up any roadblock to getting somebody in the habit of saving for retirement. And more often than not, someone will stay that three years so I'd rather not throw up just one more thing that somebody would say, well, yeah, maybe I'm not going to participate. I want to do everything I can to get people saving for retirement because we've got a real problem that people aren't saving enough to have any comfort or security in retirement. But your point is 100% true. Lately, you've said repeatedly not to give your social security number to a medical facility. On the podcast, you address similar questions from Abraham and Jeannie, who asked, what happens if a medical, a, a medical facility refuses to treat me based on my refusal to give my social security number? And you immediately launched into a tirade about how the facility has no legitimate need for that information. This is true, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, but the fact remains that most medical practices have the same policy. We reserve the right to refuse service to anyone for any reason. Generally speaking, in the real world, you're not going to make it beyond the receptionist until and unless you fill out the complete form, including the social. Sure, you can argue if you want to, well, Clark Howard says, which will be met with a variation of, well, Clark Howard doesn't work for Dr. Such and Such. Our policy is we must have this info before you can be seen. If you live in a major metropolitan area, you can drive to the next medical office park and have the same argument with the receptionist there and repeat this process until you either get lucky or wear down and knuckle in and give them your social security number, bearing in mind that if you were seeking to see a doctor, you're probably already either feeling sick or in pain to begin with. Thank you. And it's, first of all, stupid for people in the medical industry to want that social security number because it then opens them up to liability after a data breach and them being careless with data and having that social security number magnifies, intensifies the liability risk. So medical providers need to get past this. But the last time this was a Clark Stinks, do you remember what the poster said? You don't remember, Krista? So the last time the poster said just put in a randomized number. Mm -hmm. Then that caused other posts Mm -hmm. from people saying, well, then it might well be somebody's real social security number, which led to a different suggestion that you just put in 
one zero 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 zero, and that then nobody's actually looking at it, and it'll just fly right through. If you are at a medical provider that will not treat you, if you don't put some numbers in that social security box, you can put whatever numbers you want as the first three and the last four, but those two that are in the middle, which would be the fourth and fifth number, just put zero, zero there. And the Social Security Administration says they never issue any numbers that those two positions are zero, zero, and you won't cause a mess for anybody else. And you'll have met the requirement of putting in a number there, a number that will be useless to that medical provider. Clark, please stop telling people to have their kids used Uber or Lyft. If they are not 18, they legally cannot ride alone, and we as drivers will not be covered by insurance. Unaccompanied minors have to be canceled because parents don't realize that they cannot ride alone or annoying to both the child and the driver. Sure, a few drivers will look the other way, but they take all the risk. The responsible driver will report your account. Keep up the great work, William. William, appreciate that. So you may remember there was a Uber Lyft kind of service that originally started in California that was designed to be able to cart miners around. And it was more expensive because of the backgrounding that had to be done and the rest, uh, the insurance requirement. And so that service folded. But when I'm talking about this, I'm generally talking about people 16 and above And it's really hard with teenagers to know how old they really are. Even a lot of people in their 20s look like they're a teen. Producer Joel, when he was 26, looked like he was 12. So it really (laughs) is is hard to distinguish age. So I think it would be hard for a driver to know that somebody getting in their vehicle is, let's say, 16 or 17 instead of 18. And I think it's a practical way for them to get around. This one got a lot of likes from other posters, just so you know. I know that this is a topic that's been discussed, but I'm always frustrated when Clark dismisses Apple as more expensive than Android. Here's my challenge. Find an Android phone that's supported as long as Apple phones. There are none that I know of. More often than not, investing in quality products that are more expensive but last a lot longer pays off. I hate it when my son Grant posts on Clark Stakes. If you're not aware in my family, everybody is all Apple, everything except for me. And they love their Apple devices. And so the thing with Android being so much cheaper, it's just a fact. It is cheaper. The issue of not doing updates as companies should is a real problem. And usually it's the cell phone carriers that are the problem for updates for Androids, not the manufacturer of the Android device itself. Hi, Clark. I love your show, but you missed something when giving advice on how to get cheaper prices on contact lenses. I received an eye exam where they prescribed the most expensive type of contacts and was then shocked at the price when I went to fill it at Costco. When I asked the person at Costco Vision Center if they had anything cheaper, they did, but the prescription was written for the expensive option. She suggested I call back to the place that wrote the prescription and ask that they change it. She also mentioned that they should be able to do that without me going back or paying any extra money. I Then the uh, I asked the Costco employee what the cheapest contact lenses they sold 
were, and I then called back to the eye exam place to switch the prescriptions. This worked like a charm. I would suggest to know where you plan to purchase your contacts before you go get the eye exam and then ask what the cheapest option is, then request that the prescription be written for that brand during the eye exam to avoid any hassles on overpriced lenses. Jenny. Jenny's exactly right. It's what I've suggested when you go to the doctor and you're ill and he or she might be writing you a prescription that you take one of those $4 prescription lists like the one that Walmart has so that you make sure that the doctor doesn't write a zillion-dollar prescription for you. Great advice, great idea. Okay, speaking of the Costco Eye Center, on February 13th podcast, David Lazarus stated that Costco does not put lenses in old frames. Not true. I just had this done last month. Costco told me that if they can't do it because of the frame condition, they will return the frames to the client at no cost. I didn't have any problems and got new progressive lenses installed in my old frames for $59. Thank you for that update. Now, if you're not aware of the context of what David Lazarus and I talked about a couple of months ago, it was about how there's a cartel that has taken over the eyeglass industry. And that's why at a time that we've got these online sellers selling prescription frames and lenses at the lowest prices we've ever seen in the United States with glasses complete, prescription glasses, the whole thing being delivered for less than $15. The same time, most people are paying zillion dollars at most places you'd go to get your frames and lenses. But there are a number of places that aren't part of the cartel, including Costco and Warby Parker, among others. So you don't have to get ripped off on your glasses in spite of this worldwide cartel trying to force you into a ripoff. I appreciate all your posts. Please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks when you feel I was incomplete, inaccurate, or just wrong. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Scott's with us here on the Clark Howard Show. And Scott, thank you for your service to our country. Which branch of the military are you in? Thank you, sir. I'm in the Navy. Well, how many years do you have? Uh, not years. I've only been there for eight months now. Wow. Okay. So uh, that's great that you have chosen an all-volunteer military to serve our nation. How can I serve you? Thank you, Clark. Well, I'm one of them... Uh, one of the many few young men who is already stressing about my retirement at my age of 20. And I just honestly do not know where to start. Um, uh, it's so broad to me. I don't really know what to get into. I have the TSP to the military right now. And I think that's um, uh, my best bet right now. But that also, is, let I, me tell you that TSP 
isn't the gold standard. It's above that. It's platinum. It is the best retirement account pretty much any of us are offered in the United States. Yes, that's what I've heard. I'm actually very excited about being in it. So when you think about retirement, it's don't let any uh, complexity get in the way. Don't let choices get in the way. Put in every last dollar you can afford to put in to the TSP and put it into, uh, they have their equivalent of a target retirement fund is the um, uh, life cycle fund. Yes. And that's what I would go into as much as you possibly can. Okay. Actually, great, because that's what I just, actually just started doing that. Because I know there was different funds, and I was confused on all the different funds. I didn't really know what to put my money in. Um, I was in the G fund for a while, and I guess that was like the the one that you should not be in because it doesn't make, doesn't get back enough money. So I Googled it, and I was still kind of confused about it, so I didn't really know. So I thought I might call you and also ask, Hey, what's your opinion on that? And uh, it's the best also, because what the what the military and the federal government do is the TSP has exceptionally low management fees, lower than any of the rest of us have access to. And so when you put in a dollar, there's no commissions on it, and everything goes to work for you almost down to the very last penny. Where the rest of us, even if we go into the civilian or non-governmental equivalent, the 401k, we don't pay commissions on it, but we'll pay management fees that are much, much higher, typically, than what you have in the TSP. How much of your pay are you able to put into the TSP as a percent? What can you afford to do right now? So right now, I am putting in 10% into the L fund and C fund. Okay, so... Tell me what those two letters do for you. So the L fund is the life cycle, the life cycle retirement fund for 2050. I think I have most of my money going into there. I think I have um, six, uh, 60% of going into the L fund and then the rest going into the C fund, which uh, the C fund is in the S&P uh, 500. And it's, um, All right. I would, I would not do that. I would do everything in the L fund. Okay. Is you're how old? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. So you want to go into something where they'll automatically adjust the mix of investments based on your age, and so go all into L. And over time, if you can afford to put more in, do it. And you also were offered a choice between what's known as a traditional TSP and a Roth TSP. Yes. You want to be in the Roth TSP. Okay. And you, if you want to save over time, you want to save more money, increase what you're doing in the TSP before you worry about any other place to save retirement money. Okay. And it's great that you're doing all this, that you're saving for your future like you are. And I want to thank you once again for being of service to our great nation. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.